0: Good morning, church. I'm uh, George Lumpkin. I'm one of the pastors here with Pastor Jackie. Uh, I was sitting there thinking that years ago I was in a church and uh, the bulletin, it said pastor, and it had the pastor's name, and then it said ministers, and it said all the members of this church, and uh, that's indeed true. So church, thank you for all the ways you do ministry each and every day. I appreciate that very much. I know we have some visitors here today, and we're excited that you're here. It's a great church, a great uh, church to get connected, to do ministry, to make friends. Uh, there are some Connect cards in the pews if you want to fill one of those out and maybe put that in the offering box or uh, come by the welcome desk, and uh, we'd love to get to know you. I uh, realize that I tend to spend all week working on a sermon, and then on Sunday morning, uh, Lisa explains to me what it really means. So, I wish I could defy the space-time continuum and now go back and rework my sermon, but pretty much every, every Sunday, Brenda, I mean, uh, Lisa sort of explains that to me. So, um, years ago, uh, this lady in my church uh, was talking to me, and I, uh, I, I think she meant well. I don't think she meant malice exactly. Um, but she said, can we request certain sermons? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, as long as you're repeating sermons, can we request some of the good ones? And I said, I wasn't aware that I was repeating sermons. And she said, oh, well, we thought you were kind of sort of taking the summer off and just, you know, getting old sermons out of the file. No, no. Um, And just to be clear, it's not a sermon file. It's a sermon pile that I have. (laughs) Now, I am aware that I uh, do repeat stories and I'm probably in denial about um, more or less repeating a sermon without realizing it. Uh, But if that's true, I do take solace uh, in that Paul, especially in his letter to the Galatians, basically keeps preaching the same sermon over and over. He basically keeps saying the same thing over and over, which is the only thing that counts is being in Christ. The only thing that counts is being in Christ, in Christ. Okay? Verse 26 of uh, that reading. Uh, Paul talks about faith in Christ, faith in Christ, being baptized into Christ, clothed with Christ throughout Galatians and indeed throughout all of Paul's letters. Uh, Paul just keeps just stretching and reaching for different ways to express being in Christ. Christ is in you and you are in Christ. Not just that Jesus is with you, but Jesus is in you. The Christ, the Messiah is in you. Okay? Not just that you are with Christ, but you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Now, just that phrase is worthy of chewing on, praying on, meditating, thinking about And I think this idea of being in Christ or Christ in you is sometimes a hard concept for us uh, uh, American middle class Christian types. We tend to do religion primarily from the left side of our brain. Um, We tend to at least want to reduce Christianity down to doctrine or rules or duty or custom or tradition or command. Uh, or maybe even just what we primarily do on Sunday mornings. But think about being in Christ, not as a concept to affirm or even contemplate, but as experiential and relational. It's not how you think about it as much as what you do. Think about marriage. You can talk about marriage. Marriage is what you do. It's a whole thing, right? So, I think the early Irish Christians uh, understood and embraced this very well. Uh, St. Patrick's breastplate, for example, or St. Patrick's prayer, which I'm sure you've heard before, this is just a part of it. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. In other words, your whole life, everything is immersed in Christ and Christ is immersed in you. Walter Brueggemann, in his devotional book, A Way Other Than Our Own, says that in Christianity, there's often a basic tension between can you imagine and yes, but. Can you imagine? Yes, but. And he says that this is not just a modern phenomenon. Uh, It's always been a part of Christianity, and it's in the very Bible itself. Can you imagine? God says to Abraham. Can you imagine children and joy and future and blessing beyond your ability to count beyond your wildest dreams? Yes, says Abraham. Yes, but I'm old. And so is my wife. Can you imagine, the Lord says to the Israelites in Egypt, can you imagine being completely free from your oppressors? Yes, they say. Yes, but the desert is very dangerous and we might run out of food and water. Can you imagine, the Lord says, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Yes, say the Israelites, but it is occupied by our enemies and they are stronger than we are. I think you see this same dynamic going on In Galatians, can you imagine, Paul more or less says, can you imagine being so in Christ and Christ in you that there is no longer categories there's no longer Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female. In other words, can you imagine that social status and economic status and ethnic group and race and gender and all the other countless categories and labels and diagnoses that we use to separate ourselves from each other, that we use to judge one another by, that dominate it, divide us, enslave us, just really don't exist anymore. Yes, say the Galatians. But but what about the rules? What about the tradition? What about the law? It has to matter, right? Yes, say the... I think what else? They can't be as good as us. You mm. itching a little bit? What about the rules? What about... The tradition. What about the law? Do we just throw it all away? And over the centuries, some have tried to interpret this in that way. Some have read this thinking that what Paul is saying is that the rules and the law and the tradition don't matter. Just love Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you do. But Paul's not saying that. Paul affirms the value of the rules. I mean, you... Try to play a football game without agreed upon rules, right? Try to drive your car across town without agreed upon traffic rules. Try to run a banking system without rules, right? I could go on and on and on. The, the rules protect us in certain ways, right? The rules form boundaries that protect us from harm and help us to get along with each other and ensure justice and fairness. And then Paul says that the law has value. He, he, he says the law is kind of like a babysitter. Uh, the word in Greek that he uses is, is the word for a, a Greek slave, a household slave whose job it is to take care of the children. They, their job is to protect and take care and guide the children. And the law functions in that way. Okay, but then what Paul says in verse 21, and this is interesting to me. He says that the law will never impart life. Isn't that interesting? The law will never give you life. And that's it for Paul. That's the same sermon over and over. Just following the rules will never give you life with love and crazy on fire joy at being alive. seeing Christ in each person you meet. Paul followed the law. He was a Pharisee's Pharisee, he said. And all he had was a hateful heart. He was alive but dead on the inside. The law does not impart life. And so, friends, can you imagine can you imagine being so filled with life that you might be like um, Jan Canfield who was always trying to bless others even though every single day her body was racked with pain? Can you imagine being like Reg Gardner? Who just loved life and people and being alive. And he was inspiring just to hang out with. Can you imagine not being afraid anymore? Can you imagine not living in anger or pessimism anymore? Can you imagine not feeling guilty all the time? Or ashamed or undeserving? Can you imagine your life as an inspiration to others? Can you imagine Christ in you? In you, in Christ. Can you just say yes? And that's the end of the sentence. What the gospel does is the sermon title. What does the gospel do? The gospel does all the that you can imagine it can do. A Celtic blessing. Christ with me sleeping. Christ with me waking. Christ with me watching each day and each night. Save us, Lord, while we are awake. Guard us while we are asleep. That awake we may live with Christ and asleep may rest in His peace.